Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Encounter with God Together, our weekly audio and video podcast where we review the readings in our daily Bible reading guide called Encounter with God that many of you use either in print, online, or in your email. And each week I welcome a guest and today's guest is a special one to Scripture Union and many known to many of you and that's Whitney Cunningham, our President Emeritus. Hi Whitney. Hi Gail, good to be with you again. It's always good to have you here, and I know from uh, the feedback that I get that you're a fan favorite, so um, so glad you're here and uh, continuing on in, in Jeremiah. Yep. So let me pray for you as we start. All right. All right. Father, I thank you for Whitney. I thank you for um, his preparation for uh, this this uh, conversation and, and thinking through these passages that we're going to be coming up. Uh, with this week. And Father, I pray for him as he shares that you would speak in and through him. Thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I'm going to put the chapters. There's some long ones that's coming up this week, uh, 27 through 32. Right. And I know you've got some things to share. Yeah, I do. Well, thanks for inviting me. And it's uh, greetings to all our friends in the Encounter with God Together community. It's It's always good to be together. Um, you know, we've been going through, you know, I, I really enjoyed Second Timothy, and I, I had to get my, you know, uh, <laughs> game face on for Jeremiah. But actually, I love Jeremiah. It's a, it's an incredibly uh, contemporary book. Um, there's a lot going on there. And anybody that's watching the news right now knows that Jeremiah is an ancient book that has a very contemporary ring. So we are paying attention to it. Um, on multiple levels. And so um, I've been really enjoying our reading so far in Jeremiah. But I want to talk a little bit about Jeremiah uh, chapters 27 to 32, because that's where we're going this week. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, <clears throat> the there's a there's a famous, you know, kind of phrase or proverb that we all often hear, but there's a twisted version, a, a sort of a, a, a sort of a an altered version of it that I think fits the the book of uh, the part of Jeremiah that we're going to read. And uh, the variation of the famous phrase goes like this. Things always look the darkest before they go totally black. (laughs) Oh, wow. You laugh like you understood what I was saying. (laughs) But you know what? If I were Zedekiah, the king that we're going to read about or going on, I wonder if that's how he felt. Yeah. You know, things go from dark to black. Yeah. And they just seem to go from bad to worse. That's what's happening. It's turbulent times uh, for the, the people of God. That's what we're reading about. And, you know, to really understand the prophecy, it it helps to understand a little bit of the context, the historical context. Now, I know our Encounter with God readers are very astute Bible readers, so they kind of know this. So I just really want to zip through it, uh, but it'll help us understand what we're going to read because what's happening, the backstory, as it were, of these Mm -hmm. chapters are the superpowers of the day are fighting. The the major superpowers are duking it out on the world geopolitical scene. It's Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. They're all in a big major tug-of-war, and lowly... Israel has actually divided into two kingdoms, as we know, the northern and the southern kingdom. And they're like two ping pong balls in this giant 
geopolitical game. So that's the backdrop. And there's two dates that I think we need to remember. And these will help us. So just see if we can focus. The first date is 722 BC. Mm -hmm. And you probably know that's when Assyria captured Israel, the northern kingdom, and began taking them into exile. So things have gone really bad. Judah, on the other hand, was still left standing, and they kind of felt smug about it. They thought, oh, we didn't, that didn't happen to us. God didn't judge us. We're the righteous remnant. We're the good guys. And yet, as we're reading in Jeremiah, we see, no, actually, God has a different take on it. They're, they're involved in idolatry. They're involved in lots of evil practices. And God is, through his prophets, uh, is denouncing it. So that's, that's the first thing. The northern kingdom have been punished 722 B.C. Well, fast forward to the date uh, 597 P B.C., about 125 years later. What's happened there? Well, Babylon has now come onto the world scene. They're the big superpower, and they've begun to lay siege to Jerusalem. So they've surrounded it. The pressure is on. And um, and then, of course, we know that by uh, 10 years later, um, Jerusalem falls. Well, why is that significant? Because in that 10-year period between when Nebuchadnezzar came and really started to put the pressure on uh, Jerusalem and to the time when they fell and he destroyed the city, that's where, that's where Zedekiah fits. That's where that's the that's what he's having to deal with as a leader. And in fact, he's a puppet king because Nebuchadnezzar actually put him into place. He wiped out the other kings that we read about last week and he put Zedekiah in. And Zedekiah is only 21 years old. So now imagine you're 21 years old, you got all the superpowers of the world squabbling. You wow. know what's happened to the northern kingdom, and you sense that's about to happen to us. What do you do? How do you deal with it? That's that's the context. And into that context, um, there are some prophetic messages. Mm. Jeremiah and some other prophets. That's what's going on. And so I actually have a little bit of compassion for Zedekiah. Now, I can't have too much compassion, let's say, because he's described as a king who did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So I'm certainly not condoning that. But I but I can I can understand the pressures of a young king, a young leader who is trying to figure out how to save the people and feels desperate. Mm, yeah. And that phrase, things always look the darkest before they go totally black. <laughs> I really think that is what Zedekiah, Zedekiah may have may have felt. Okay, so in that context, that's where our readings fit. And really what we're going to be reading about this week is some competing prophetic messages. Um, so the first one comes from Jeremiah, and his basic message is surrender and settle. Surrender and settle. So what God is saying to Jeremiah, and he expresses to the king and the people is, you need to surrender to the king of Babylon and go settle where they take you. That's what I want you to do. Now that would be a hard message, mm. that would be a hard thing to do. Yes. And then the two false prophets that we'll read about, um, Hananiah and Shemaiah, um, their message is resist and you'll prevail. Resist and prevail. Now imagine the 21 year old leader and it would have sounded very appealing and actually 
not really wrong, would it? Would it right. would it would it seem wrong to resist the evil empire from taking over God's holy city and then trust that God would save them? So you can see how that would be a really hard thing to sort out. Yeah. So what I want to do here is pause just for a minute and say, this week, as we read through these chapters, I want to challenge us to think about what is false prophecy? Mm. And how do we know? How do we know it when we see it or when we hear it? And why I think this is important is because it wasn't just a problem in the Old Testament for Zedekiah and people around him. But as we saw last a couple of weeks ago in 2 Timothy, it was a problem for the New Testament church, wasn't it? The, the false teachers and false prophets. And you know what? It's a problem for us today, too. It's mm. still around. And so the question I want to suggest or some questions for us to think about is, what is a false prophet? And, and why do they prophesy the way they do? Is it that they just want to be bad? Or could it be they want to be good and they're misguided? What motivates them? Mm. How do we recognize and react to them today? Mm. Now, a little hint is, as you'll read, it's that they really, truly, genuinely hear the voice of God. When they do and they're speaking for God, they're on track. When they don't, they get off track. But I think we should be thinking about what is a false prophet? How do we recognize them? How do we react to them today? Yeah, good. Okay. Well, with that uh, context, Gail, I want to uh, look at some really uh, bright spots in this, uh, in the readings ahead. And there's a lot of, as you read through here, you're going to see some passages that are really, um, you know, it's like, oh, that has a familiar ring. I heard that in the New Testament. And it's true, but there's two that I want to just highlight. Um, and the first one is Jeremiah 21, verses 11 to 13. And I, I wonder if you could read it for us. Um, and as soon as you do, everybody's going to recognize this. But go ahead and read Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13. Sure, I will. I'll be happy to. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Right. So that's, you know, such a familiar passage. You know, you have it on a poster somewhere or a little, you know, uh, a key verse thing or, or whatever. And it kind of, it encourages us. It's sort of like the Bob Marley sign, uh, uh, song. I don't know if everybody knows Bob Marley, but there's one, every little ting going to be all right, right? Yeah. <laughs> you feel good. Things are going to work out. That's what it sounds like it's saying. And it's true. That's the top layer of it. But once you know the context, as you, as you, as you read this week, you're going to find there's more to it than that. Because what Jeremiah is really doing is writing a letter to his brothers and sisters in exile. And what he's encouraging them to do is be faithful for, get this, 70 years. <laughs> 70 years of exile. Now, here's, here's sort of an additional thing to think about. What he's saying is settle and seek the good of a pagan culture. Mm. Be faithful to God, but seek the good 
of a pagan culture so you can grow and thrive. And in that context, his letter, which he's expressing God's thing is, I, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. But it, it gives it a whole different meaning when we realize it's a 70-year, a long-term horizon to prosper them. And in the meantime, they're supposed to seek the good of this pagan place where they are. Now, what does that say to us today? You know, we live in a secular environment, and it seems to be going from bad to worse, many feel. But how is it that we can be good neighbors? How is it that we can seek the good of the communities that we're in while still being faithful yeah. to walk with God, to be in the world, not of it? So that famous verse is actually a little bit different of a challenge than just the poster that everything's going to work out that we see. So that's something to think about. And the last thing is, yeah. uh, the or the second famous passage we're going to run into this week is Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and 34. I wonder if you'll read that for us. Mm -hmm. 31, 33, and 34, you say? Yep. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Well, thank you for that. So it's, again, that's a very familiar passage. Now, what's interesting about this passage, if, um, if in verse 31, it's said a little bit before, and I didn't have you read this, um, Jeremiah says, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. And what you read is the description of what that new covenant is going to be. Now, what's interesting is this is the first time in the Bible, interestingly, that it was in the Old Testament, that the phrase new covenant is mentioned. Mm. So way back, way back in this dismal, terrible, awful time, God is not just predicting the plans he has for them. 70 years hence, but all the way to the time of Jesus. He's looking way forward. He knows the plans he has for us. He's going to prosper us in that ultimate sense there. And this is one of several sort of covenantal statements that uh, we find in the Bible. And if you actually look at the, the main covenants that occur in the Bible, what is a covenant? A covenant is basically just an agreement, a treaty between two two parties. And in the Bible, it's a, it, a an agreement, a partnership, as it were, between God and human beings. So the first one was Noah, you know, the rainbow, the covenant that God would not destroy. And then there was Abraham. God said, I will make you into a great nation. And through your uh, family, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And then there's Moses, the covenant at Sinai, where through the Ten Commandments, he says, this is how I want my people to live. This is who I am. I'm making a deal, a covenant, a partnership with them. And then there's David's covenant. You'll have a person on the throne uh, eternally. Ultimately, that points to Jesus. And then maybe the greatest covenant of all, the one that this passage in Jeremiah uh, points to, is the new covenant, where Jesus says, um, this is the new covenant in my blood. And so if you trace 
the covenants, the partnerships, the agreements that God has been willing to make with human beings, it traces the storyline of salvation through the Bible. And so what's interesting is right here, way back when in this awful time, uh, God, through Jeremiah, is saying, that's where I'm going. That's the significance of this, that I have a plan of salvation. That's the plan to prosper you, to prosper your soul. And uh, that's what's going on here. So the question I would just ask is, are we living in the old old covenant or the new covenant? Now, we know the difference, but just on a practical level, are we living a more rules-based Christian life? Or are we living as if, not as if, are we living because God wants to have a relationship with us? He's, he's, he's made an agreement because he wants to relate to us. Are we living more in the old covenant? Or are we living more toward the new covenant, which the whole Bible points to? So that's something else that we can think of. So that's where we're going this week, Gail, in Encounter with God. And uh, we have these two famous passages. Um, and you know what? Their message is right on the cutting edge, not just for the world situation, but for the church and for us individually. And yes. I think that's what makes the Bible so exciting because it's alive, alive today. That's great. Very good. And I don't know if uh, I think a lot of our listeners and viewers will know that you have written the essential uh, series essential 100 bible passages and essential jesus and then the essential question from the book of acts but as you're speaking here i think you've got another one in you i think it's the the essential covenants it could be could be <laughs> so that just came to me i thought i'd share yeah. um well whitney would you pray for us and you know uh, that we would be living into this new uh covenant sure life? i'd be happy to let's pray together Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it was alive when you inspired the writers to write it. And we, we thank you that it's alive today when we um, read it in the power of your spirit to, to apply it to our lives and apply it to the world around us. I pray for each one of us this week as we read Jeremiah's prophecy, Lord, that we would hear your voice clearly and that we would act on what we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, well done. It's always good to have you and see you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Gail. So right. long, great, great week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.